Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Let's give the Lord a hand. Can we stand as we just pray before we dig into the Word today? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. God, we thank you that it speaks to our hearts. We thank you that we can trust your direction, we can trust your Word. God, it brings life and direction to us. And God, I ask that you speak to our hearts and change us today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Good. Awesome. So, this morning, I want to I want to go to the book of Joshua, and as you know, today some of you might not know this, but it's a feast of trumpets, and it's, if you're Jewish and Messianic Jewish or Jewish, you would know this, and uh, it, it's a time of celebration. It's one of the three feasts that we celebrate, and. Um, the beautiful thing is like when Abraham was going to sacrifice Isaac on the altar and the Lord said, don't harm the boy. You know the story. And there was a ram in, in the thicket. And a ram is a, is a male creature with large horns. And it really represents the father. It's, you know, Abraham understood the plan of the father. He said, I will become a sacrifice. When he sacrificed his son, he was sacrificing himself. He was torn. And the so the ram represents the father. And the horns that come off become the shofar. And when you blast the shofar, it's the voice of the father. Bringing breakthrough. It's, it's to tell of the coming of the Lord. It's, it's to, to sound the alarm. There's a whole bunch we can talk about on the, uh, in regards to the uh, Feast of Tabernacle, which we're not going to get into, but... We're going to blow the shofar at the end of this message, and it's going to be very... We don't have an actual horn, but we're going to play it for the video. I should have brought mine. You should have brought your brother. We do have one. But I want to talk about Joshua. If you go to Joshua chapter 5 together, we'll bring it up on the screen. And I want to talk about when the people were going into Jericho. So they were going to go and inherit their promised land. And so Joshua chapter 5, verse 1 says, When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan, all the Canaanite kings, who lived along the Mediterranean, Mediterranean coast, heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. So the enemy was paralyzed with fear because they heard the greatness of God. We go back to uh, chapter 4. Um, it says, verse 24, He did this so all the nations of the earth might know that the Lord's hand is powerful, that, the, that they would fear the Lord their God forever. Okay? Now, we need to understand the enemy was terrified and they hid behind the wall. Jericho was only seven acres. It was a very small piece of land. Most of the people lived in the countryside and in the mountains, but when there was a threat, they would gather behind the walls. The walls were wide enough to ride a chariot on. These walls were a protection. And so the enemy hid behind the wall. And so, so when they heard that the Jordan was dried up, that God was with a certain group of people, they were fearful. I want you to know today that the enemy of your soul is fearful of you. And he's put a wall around the promises of God that are for your life. 
And those, those walls seem like heavy walls that we can't penetrate, but I'm here to tell you there's a way to penetrate those walls today and get into the promises of God, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. And just as that enemy, the enemies of God's people were hidden behind the wall, they were hidden in the promised land, um, we need to understand that our enemy, we don't fight against flesh and blood. We understand that this is a picture of what's happening in the realm of the spirit. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but are, are, are against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen realm against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. And so, in the unseen realm, there's a kingdom that's fighting against you and I. That's why we take up the whole armor of God. Right? And that enemy would want to put walls around the promises of God for your life. That enemy would want to fortify in the blessings of God for your life. But I'm here to tell you that the enemy is shaking in his boots because the Spirit of the Lord lives with you. And we're able to go, and if we do it God's way, we can see the walls come down and we can get our promise. And that's what I want to talk about uh, this morning. In 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5, we see another passage. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroy false arguments. Okay? We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts, teaching them to obey Christ. And so we understand that we are in a spiritual battle. Now, understanding that we're in a spiritual battle, that we do have a spiritual enemy that's working against us, we need to understand that the enemy is fearful of us, okay? They were paralyzed with fear. Anyone ever been paralyzed with fear? Because they heard of how the Lord dried up the Jordan to cross it. And... Um, Going back to that verse again, verse 24 of chapter 4, he did this so all the nations might know that the Lord's hand is powerful so that they might fear the Lord. The, the, the word hand is the word yad. Okay? That word means to accomplish by strength or power. An open hand is to bring provision. A closed hand is to hold back. But the Lord was bringing an open hand of provision. We see the examples we hear in Scripture how God gave them into the hands of their enemy. So there's a giving into the hands of the enemy. There's also being rescued out of the hands, which talks about being delivered from the enemy's power. Well, I'm here to say God's strength is here to deliver you from his power. Isn't that good news this morning? Okay. And one of the things that I find very interesting when I look at the word yad, which means to deliver by hand and strength and power, is the verb for that is yadah. Now, Camilla did a sermon, Pastor Camilla did a sermon, talking about the different types of praise. That's the word for praise. Yada means to throw up the hands, to praise by lifting the hands, to shout out. And it's so interesting when we read the story that God is raising the people up to shout out a praise, which brings the walls down, right? And so, yada means to praise by lifting up the hands. And I want to show you the pattern of preparation for battle. It's, it's kind of linked right in this, this chapter. We're going to read through some of this to get a picture of this. In Joshua chapter 5, verse 2, it says, At that time the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire male population of Israel. Okay, And here's the thing. How many are glad, man, that we don't live in the Old Testament? <laughs> 
But we have to we, we have to understand that circumcision really represented coming into a personal covenant relationship with God. Yeah. It was a cutting away of the flesh. Yeah. And so they were saying, I'm coming into covenant, I want to cut out of my life the things that are of the flesh. Okay? Uh, we know in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 to 21, it says, When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. What are they? Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, let me tell you again, and I've said it before, anyone living this life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the Apostle Paul. And so we understand here that they were saying, okay, we're going to cut off that all that is evil in our life. We're going to make a commitment to cut away the evil of our life, and we're going to come into a relationship covenant with God. Okay? One of the things we understand as a New Testament believer is that Jesus taught us that they didn't understand is that all of the corruption comes and proceeds from the heart. So they were trying to, by their good works, become better. They were doing the best they could. But in the New Testament, we understand that circumcision isn't in the flesh, it's in the heart. All the evil that's in our hearts gets cut away, it gets separated from us. And the verse I want to share is Galatians chapter 5, verse 19, and it says... When you follow the desires of your... Okay, we've already done that. Romans chapter 2, verse 28, sorry. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. Now, Paul, when he's saying you're not a Jew, he's talking about you're not a child of God. He's not talking about generation or genealogy. He's talking about children of God. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart, which, which uh, a change of heart produced by the Holy Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from men. Right? And so we understand that that as new new believers in Christ, when we come into Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and He begins to cut off the things of the flesh. I know when I first became a Christian, it was like immediately there were certain things I just couldn't do anymore. I couldn't say anymore. I couldn't, you know, go to certain places because the Holy Spirit was doing the work and cutting away the flesh. How many have experienced that? Amen. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, and it's a powerful work. And if we were to read on in Joshua chapter 5, okay, which we will do, verse 7 and 9, we're going to get a pattern here of preparation for battle. How do you know we're in a battle? Each and every one have the promise of God for our life, but the enemy has fortified it, and we need to break through the walls so we can get the promise of God in our life. And so we have a really cool and really clear pattern that we get here out of Scripture. So Joshua chapter 5, verse 7, it says, So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. But after all the males had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt. So the place was called Gilgal to this day. The word Gilgal means to roll away. 
And here's the beautiful thing. We have to understand that the first generation Israelites that came out of Egypt with Moses, they murmured and complained in the wilderness. So they were not able to enter into the promised land. In fact, you guys might remember the story. And so, so God said, take one leader from each tribe of the 12 tribes, send them to spy out the land, and then have them bring back the report. Well, eight of the spies came back and said, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. They're too powerful for us. We, we just can't do it. There's, there's no way we can do it. They were looking at what they could do in the natural, and they spread a bad report, and fear, not faith, entered the hearts of the people. Now, two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they were the ones who said, no, no, we can do it. Surely the Lord is with us. The word of the Lord says we're going to take the promise, and we can do it. And they tore their clothes, and they were upset, and the people were like, no, because fear caused them to go into a state of insanity. And they were like, let's stone these guys who agree with God. They murmured and complained. And so God said, they're not going to enter into the promised land, but their children will enter the promised land. So now we're going 40 years ahead. Now we're in the future. And they have not yet been circumcised. But their fathers and their fathers were. Okay? So here, here's the pattern. You ready for it? So Joshua circumcised, right, or brought them into covenant, the people. Number two, they rested in the camp until they were healed. He said, they were circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed, and then the Lord rolled away the stone of their shame. Which I find very interesting because it, there's, there's kind of a picture here. They, they entered into covenant. How many know their, their parents had entered into covenant? They were circumcised. They saw the miracles of God. They, they, you know, they got the Ten Commandments. They were connected to God, but they didn't learn to rest in the Lord until they were healed. There's something about resting, learning to rest and be silent and wait on the Lord for faith to be built in our hearts. Right? And this generation, they, they rested in the camp until they had healing in their life. Okay, Then the Lord rolled away their shame, which I find very interesting. The shame that came upon them in Egypt. So what happened was their parents who murmured and complained and could not enter the promised land, they were healed. They were in covenant. But they did not rest in the Lord, so they had shame. There's something about learning to rest in the camp, having a secret place with God, whether it's a prayer place, coming to the local church, having a place to rest in the Lord, rest in His promises, where God Himself will roll the shame of your past away. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? There's so many Christians in the body of Christ, and I was one of them for many years. I knew I was forgiven. I knew I was a child of God. I'm in covenant with God, but I didn't learn to rest and allow the Father to give me my identity so the shame would be rolled away. See, when, see so their parents tried to take the promised land with shame on their lives. And when you have shame on your lives, the enemy comes and says, you're not good enough. Do you remember who you really are? You were slaves. You know, you, you know, you did this, you did that. And then all of a sudden, fear comes in and you're not able to break into the promised land. But if we learn to rest in the Lord, the shame gets rolled away. Say, rolled away. Rolled away. And it's at that time where you can go and you can begin to do battle. The enemy will say, well, you, you don't know who you are. Yes, I do. I've been forgiven. I've been washed. I've been cleansed. 
I can take the mountain. I can knock the wall down. There's a confidence that rises in you when the shame is rolled away. Amen. And some of you need to hear that today, that there's time that you need to wait on the Lord and rest in His promise and let Him build you up and roll the shame away. Can I hear you, man? Amen. That's what God wants to do. And I, I see a parallel here, and this is where every time I read Scripture, I see all these parallels. And I feel that as Christians, we can always be striving to enter into rest. And, 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 and I think the first generation, they didn't rest, so they failed the test of faith. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10 to 11, if we can bring that up. For all those who entered into God's rest have rested from their labors. In Hebrews it says one of the foundational doctrines of Christianity is that um, we need to repent from dead works. Dead works is like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, I'm going to try to be good enough, I'm going to try to Listen, we're not good enough. We need God to forgive us and let his righteousness fill us. Amen. So we repent, no, no more dead works. All those who have entered into rest have Rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. Let's go to the next verse. So let us do our best to enter into that rest. But if we disobey God, and here, this is where I want you to get. If we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. The people of Israel, all they did was they murmured and complained instead of resting in the word of the Lord. Right? So... We don't want to be like them. Because lack of rest produces disobedience. Birth from fear. When we don't rest in God and know who He is in us and who we are in Him, fear is birth, and then we don't have the courage to fight the battles effectively. Okay? So we need to understand. So let's look at the preparation for battle. I want you to say with me, they entered into covenant. That's number one. Number two, they rested and they were healed. They rested and they were healed. And number three, the Lord rolled away the shame of their captivity. The Lord rolled away the shame of their captivity. I just really, this is something we have to get in. If we have time alone with the Lord, it's called a personal relationship yes. with God. God is a jealous God. You want to deal with your shame, your passive? It's in that time, in the camp of the Lord, that the shame gets rolled away. Amen. 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 You can't go to battle carrying the shame of your past. It needs to be rolled away. You need to have time in the resting of the Lord. And then we read on, in, we read on here in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. We see that now... The commander of the Lord's army shows up and meets Joshua, and Joshua says, you know, who are you? And he goes, I'm the commander of the Lord of hosts. And then he, you know, he says, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy grounds, so he takes off his shoes. And then the commander of the Lord's army gives him the strategy, this is how you're going to take the promised land. But see, he couldn't even get the strategy from God until he first entered into covenant, until he learned to rest in God, until he learned to get that shame on his life. That's right, you, you have to be prepared for battle. And so once the people were prepared, let's see what happened here. 
Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites, so no one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, its strong warriors, and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. And the seven priests will walk ahead of the ark and carry the ram's horn. And on the seventh day you're to march around this town seven times with the priests blowing the horns, and then... You hear the priest giving one long blast of the ram's horn. Have all the people shout as loud as they can. All right? Then the walls of the town will collapse. And the people can charge straight into the town. So this whole concept of the shout is, is a battle cry. And that's what, you know, what Roger was doing here. He was shouting out a battle cry. And it shifted the atmosphere. Amen. And that's a biblical thing. It's shouting out to the Lord. It breaks strongholds. Right? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to march around once a day. They're going to be blowing the horns. but And then when you go around the city, then we're going to shout. And then we're going to go home and go to sleep. I'm going to do that for six days. On the seventh day, we're going to go around seven times, blowing the horns. And then when Joshua says, when I say shout, everyone's going to shout. And the walls are going to come down. That's, that's what the instructions were. Okay? So, Joshua obeys the Lord, sets them to marching around the city. Now go to Joshua chapter 6, verse 10. Okay? We're going to go to actually verse 9. I don't we have that verse. That's going to read verse 9. Some of the army... Army's men marched in front of the priest with the horns and some behind the ark, but the priest continually blowing the horns. So continually they're blowing the shofars. And look what he says to the people, and this is key. He says, do not shout. Do not even talk. Don't talk. Joshua commanded not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then I want you to shout. Now this is important to understand this because Joshua was remembering the history of the murmurs. So he was saying to the people, this is what we're going to do to take the battleground. This is how we're going to take the walls down. We're going to, we're going to wait on God to fulfill his promise. We're going to walk in obedience to his word, but we're not going to talk. That's what he was saying. Because what happens is, many times, our feelings will direct our words. And so I'll have a prayer time with the Lord. Maybe you guys are more spiritual than I am. But I have times where I pray and I thank God and I really have a confirmation that God's going to do something. I'm praying for healing or for a loved one or for something. But then I walk away and I start looking at the circumstances and I start talking negative. Yeah, I don't know. They're going to be hard for God to reach. You know? I don't know if my bank account, you know, if I'm ever going to, my bank account's ever going to have enough money. Well, I was just praying for finances and how many know your words yes, yes. can be your worst yes. nightmare can move you from doubt, from faith to doubt pretty quick? Amen. And so Joshua remembered that the people opened their big mouths. And he said, zip your mouth. You're here to do one thing. You're going to walk in obedience to the word of God, right? And then you're going to, what was the second thing? You guys remember? You're going to rest in the Lord. And you're going to shout. But you're, you're not going to talk. Don't talk. You're going to mess it up. 
Yeah. And I love this because in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, if you think I'm being hard, I'll just say what God says. Uh, <laughs> too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. <laughs> how many have ever, no, seriously, you think, how many have ever been in a conversation with someone, right, and you walk away and you're like, I shouldn't have said that. that. Yeah, that's right. Oh, why did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we do it all the time. We need, to, we need to learn to wait. We need to learn to walk. We learn to keep our mouth shut. Right? And believe God. The next verse here, Proverbs 18, 7, says, The mouths of fools are their ruin. They trap themselves with their lips. Right? James 3, verse 6, And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is the whole world of wickedness, corrupting the entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. And so, so the thing is, when you're about to go into battle, you're going to see like the wars, and then you're going to start talking. And you can talk yourself right out of your victory. You can move right from faith to doubt. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we have to zip the lips, say zip the lips. Look at your neighbor say zip the lips. Right? It's so true, right? And I remember Earl, like you guys heard Earl, he came and preached. And uh, I love that man. And he, he's just, he's been a friend of mine. And he's a real deal. Like, he, this guy walks the walk. Like, when he broke his back, I remember I called him. He called me and told me the situation of what had happened. He was believing God for the healing of his back. And then, so, every few days I would call him and, say, and I would say, how are you feeling today? And this is what he said to me every time. He said, this is not up for discussion. My body is under construction by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It's not up for discussion. It's not up for debate. God's working on it. Because he couldn't lie. He couldn't say, I'm feeling great. I'm healed. He didn't say that. He said, no, I'm under construction. God's working on me. He could have said, I feel terrible. And my son had to you know, force me to go get my own water. And he could have started talking. But he chose to. Amen. Right? Praise God. And so it's so important that we know this. All right, so let's go back to where we were. So the preparation for battle is this, okay? Let's say it together. We enter into covenant. We enter into covenant. We rest in our heel. We rest in our heel. We allow the Lord to roll the shame away. We allow the Lord to roll the shame away. That's how. That's the preparation. How do we get the breakthrough? Say we wait for the fulfillment. We wait for the fulfillment. We walk in obedience. We walk in obedience. And we're not talking about the problem. Amen? We all mess that up. I've yes. messed that up. Yes. And this is what I felt the Lord has shown me. Now let's go to Joshua chapter uh, 6, verse let's see what <coughs> 12. Joshua got up early the next morning, and the priests began carrying the ark of the Lord. The seven priests and the ram horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horn again. The armed men marched both in front of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time the priests were blowing their horns. And on the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to camp. They followed the pattern for six days. But on the seventh day, Israel got up at dawn and marched around the town as they'd done before. 
But this time they went around the town seven times. On the seventh time around, the priest sounded the long blast of the horns. Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Now, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. Then the people, when they heard the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. And suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. Um, and here's the thing. I want to read the scripture here. And it says here in Psalm chapter 37. Head it written down here somewhere. Psalm 37 verse 34. You ready? Okay. Here it is. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along His path. They were given a specific path to follow. He will honor you by giving you the land. See, God's about to give you land. It might not be a physical land, but He's going to give you territory. He's going to give you blessing. He's going to be promised. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. We're going to see the wicked destroyed. We're going to see the wickedness of the enemy alive. And in fact, you know, if we're going to be really honest, when we read the scripture, there's three groups of people the Bible talks about. From heaven's perspective, there's the righteous. That's those who have been forgiven. There's the unrighteous, those that are around us that need the Lord. God loves people. He, loves, he, want, he wants everyone to get saved. There's the unrighteous. But then there's the wicked. The wicked are those who have said they hate God. They hate what he stands for. They want to destroy every trace of God, his nature, his family, everything. They, they, they're wicked. God says he will destroy them. Amen. Come on. We're going to see some right. powerful things in these end days. That's right. Yes. God is love, but He's not a pushover. That's right. Amen? Amen. And the wicked are going to be destroyed, and the righteous are going to take the land. Amen. Is that good news? Amen. So we're going to have the worship team come up. I'm going to pray for you guys, and we're going to blow the shofar. And we're going to shout. And when we do, I believe spiritual walls are coming down. <laughs> I should have told you to bring your show part of it. Did we find one? Okay. It was the last one. The show part when we blow it symbolizes that the Lord is Lord over all the earth. That's what it means. The Feast of Trumpets, when they blow the shofar, it's a reminder that the Lord is returning. Do you know that the Lord is returning soon? Yeah. And it's a reminder of that. Okay? Yes, we do that. The sound of the shofar is a call to prepare. And we need to realize that, you know, it's, it's to recognize the prophetic significance of the day. When... The ways of the world are set aside and our focus is put on the Lord. Amen. When the shofar is blasted, it's like the voice of the Father. And our focus has to go off earth, earthly things onto the things of the Lord. Okay? God is a God of new beginnings that symbolizes that. And it's a call to prepare for the coming of the Lord. 
And I believe it's a call to battle. So what I'm believing God for today, and we're going to do an amazing <coughs> song. Bill said, if you don't know the words of the song, you haven't been in church long enough. Good <laughs> <laughs> song. Good song. But why don't you stand? Why don't you play the piano a little bit? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to vote. Didn't find it? No, you didn't. When I told you. <laughs> oh, good. Father, I thank you, Lord, right now for your presence in this place, Father. I thank you, God, for your word. Father, help us. We know we're people of covenant. Help us to learn to rest and wait on you, God, until the shame is rolled away. God, you don't want us to carry the shame of our past. We want to live in freedom, Father. And as we go forward in battle, as you direct us, God, help us to learn to, to wait on your word, God. To walk in obedience to your word. Father, I just pray for every person represented here and those who are following us online, God, that whatever's coming to our minds, that, that promise that's been surrounded, it feels like it's fortified and we're never going to get in. I thank you, God, that as we shout and as we blow the show apart, that there's going to be a breakthrough in this place. In Jesus' name. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.